So today we uh, conclude the series on the book of Philippians. And for those who watched last week's message, the title was Conflict in Crisis. And today the, con- the title is Community and Contentment in Crisis. The series began some weeks ago with the theme of joy and peace in all circumstances. And these past two weeks, we have uh, brought in crisis, difficult circumstances into the topic. There could be conflict and divisions in crisis. And there could be community that brings about contentment in crisis. Now we need to keep in mind that Paul, while he's writing this letter, is in prison. And yet he's writing this letter to the people of Philippi as if not he's in prison, but as if he's in a palace. The passage this morning refers to Paul receiving a gift from the Philippian church and how the community then brings about, how this brings about contentment in crisis to Paul and the community. So before we read from Philippians 4, 10 to 23, let's come to our God in a prayer. Father God, you are the source of all joy and peace. You are the source of contentment and Christian community. Bless us, Lord, as we read again from uh, Paul's words that you give to us even today in 2020. May we be open to what it is that you are speaking to us in this, in this time, in this moment, and how we can listen and how we can hear and, and, and live out the gospel of Jesus Christ in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Philippians 4, 10-23. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Yet, it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I've received full payment and have more than enough. I'm amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. And then Paul closes off the letter. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Last week, we had mentioned that as soon as you enter into relationships you enter into conflict. 
relationships and conflict kind of go hand in hand. They're, they're kind of just inevitable together. And yet this week, we refer to relationships not only bringing conflict, but also bringing community. And although relationships and community bring about conflict, they can also bring about contentment. So Paul begins this part of the letter again with the words how he rejoices greatly. And as we finish this series from the book of Philippians, let's once again look at this word rejoice or, or joy. So genuine joy, joy in the Lord, is not dictated by your changing circumstances. Rather, genuine joy is in the unchanging presence and power of Jesus Christ. When our joy comes from our external circumstances, things around us, then our joy is going to end up being up and down. And it's based on our emotional response to whatever is going on in our life at that moment. When our joy comes from the Lord, the joy doesn't come and go. The joy is not an emotion, but rather it's an internal part of the Christian DNA. Our joy is who we are in Christ. Now, before you come to the conclusion that uh, you, don't, you don't make the mark, just keep listening. Don't get distracted with the other YouTube videos that are so prevalent on our computers. So Paul rejoices. In addition to that, he finds contentment. Contentment means that uh, Paul accepts whatever lot he has in life. This means whatever external circumstances may be, good or ill, he has joy. And he has contentment. And neither are dependent on his external circumstances. Rather, they are dependent on his Lord and Savior. So we briefly looked at the word joy and let's also now look at the word content. So during this time of the, for, the, for this letter, the word content was actually used often for referring to a country. A country that has everything. The country is content. Meaning that the country doesn't need to import a thing. This country has all the resources available at their disposal. The country is self-sufficient. So when Paul says here that he has learned to be content in every circumstance, he means that because of Jesus Christ, he is in a sense self-sufficient. He has everything at his disposal. He doesn't need anything else. It means he lacks nothing. I think what's probably coming to mind is each of you recalling that familiar verse, Psalm 23, verse 1, right? Where it states that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in need. Meaning when I have Jesus in my life, I will lack nothing. I can be content. So Paul is not speaking from what he wants in verse 11. He is speaking from what he says he learned. I have learned to be content. Paul has not learned this specifically in school or in church or in work or in his family or even in prison. I mean, all these things had an impact on what he learned, of course. But he has learned this from being a disciple of Jesus Christ. When it states that Paul has learned, this learning now may also sound like it's past tense, that he's learned and, and it's, it's done, it's over. But it doesn't mean it to be that way. It is a continual learning. Paul has learned to be content, and he continues to learn contentment. Being content 
is remembering God's sovereignty. That our God is in control. That God is good. That God provides his people everything that they need. That blessed be the Lord in the good times and blessed be the Lord in these times of crisis. Blessed be the Lord when our external circumstances appear to dictate our joy. Now, I don't want to minimize those who are struggling with what is going on with COVID-19. Or maybe you're struggling with certain losses or physical illness or mental illness. There are seasons in our lives that may appear that the joy and the contentment are kind of zapped right out of you. But I think the hope is that when it becomes something learned, it, it stays with us. Kind of compare it to riding a bicycle. When riding a bike, you may fall and even result in some injury. And there may be even some time to pass before you decide to, to get back up on that bike. But when you do get back up on that bike, you haven't unlearned riding a bike. Riding a bike, it's in you. Look at many of the psalmists. Many of the psalmists will cry out to the Lord in their pain, in their anguish. And that is the season of life that they might be in at that moment. But they will also remember that the, sovereign, the sovereignty and the faithfulness and the goodness of their God, of our God, despite the very difficult circumstances impacting their emotions, they will not unlearn the contentment and joy that they have in Jesus Christ. So folks, if you are in a season of life that is difficult, you will not unlearn your contentment in Christ. And maybe God is going to use that instance and circumstance as an opportunity to grow and learn more. Paul is content because of what Jesus has done and continues to do for him and in him. And so in response, he continues to learn. Paul's not referring to an emotion that comes and goes. Contentment becomes a way of life. And again, it might seem at times we've lost our contentment and joy. But God gives us contentment. And he gives us joy in Christ. And in response... We rejoice in the Lord always. And we continue to learn and continue to grow, to be content in all circumstances, even when we are down. Joy and contentment in Christ. Now, with contentment in Christ, Paul is also referring to community. And so God has used the Philippi community hundreds of kilometers away from Paul to bring about contentment. And so Paul thanks the people for what he calls a partnership. And in this letter, we can read that partnering together here is specifically being referred to as financial partnership. This section of the letter is actually referring to specifically financially giving. But we, this morning, are going to look at it from the perspective of of the importance of partnering with one another financially and in many other ways. Now, the scriptures are clear. Throughout scripture, we are encouraged and, in fact, commanded to give financially, to give of our services, to give of our time, to give of our love. These are all important. They all need to be done. 
And all these are ways that we can partner together in the name of Jesus Christ. So it is about partnership with you, it's partnership with God, and with others in the kingdom. Now recall earlier in this letter, Philippians 1, 3-5, Paul says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. In today's part of the letter, Paul again reflects on that partnership. Verses 10 to 15 reflect on Philippians' concern for Paul while he's in prison. And of course they're going to be concerned. And Paul states, hey guys, I've learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. And on, on account of that contentment, that his needs would already be provided for. So verse 14, Paul states, Yet it was good of you to share, or actually the word for share is partner. It was good of you to partner in my troubles. And he thanks the Philippian Christians for sharing, for partnering with him. Now, the gift to Paul, again, was a monetary gift. Money is probably the easiest method that we use to share things so often. And at times, as stated in this passage, Paul did have certain needs. And yet Paul was not of great need at this time, as he says in this passage. So if Paul wasn't of great need, this begs the question, what is the purpose of the Philippi church in giving? What is the purpose of the the church sharing? When someone is content and they're not in need, why partner? Well, if the purpose is not so much the need then the purpose must simply be that it's just simply what we do. This is how we respond to God's amazing grace through Christ. It is an expression of joy and contentment in Christ. Whether the church or a person is in need or not, other people share and partner. When a community is in need or not, we share and we partner. Paul is not ungrateful for the gift. Rather, he's a little bit excited for the gift because the people gave to Paul, and he's excited because God will bless them. Paul wasn't concerned for his physical advantage. He was excited for the Philippians' spiritual advantage. The gift was not so much for Paul to learn contentment. The Philippians will learn contentment through this partnering. So the Philippi church together shared their financial resources. And as a result, what happened is when you share like that, you also share in the affliction. When one rejoices, all rejoice. When one suffers, all suffer. That's what sharing and partnering together means. And that's what learning contentment is all about. When someone partners with Jesus and with others in the work of Jesus' kingdom... Spiritual blessings will be present for all. And this goes back to being content, to having everything we need. Remember, the Lord is my shepherd. I'm not in need of anything. Contentment is learned on account of partnering together. Now, I think it's important that we should notice this as well here, is that when people give financially or give of their gifts or when people partner together, there's an important promise by God that we can't ignore. God will give in return 
and God will partner with his people. As Paul states in verse 17, that more will be credited to your account. In verse 19, that God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Now, the Philippi church did not partner with Paul to receive a gain. But in partnering with him, Paul knew that they were going to be blessed by God. A community partnering together learns joy and contentment even in situations that are beyond their control and situations that are even really challenging. Sharing is about partnering together, advancing the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And as they partner together, both Paul and the Philippians would be able to see and experience the blessings of this partnership. They would learn to be content. Sharing is about seeing God at work, blessing his people. Now, I think it's obvious that our giving will bless the receiver and the receiver's ministry, even when they're not necessarily in need, as Paul is in this situation. With giving, God blesses the receiver, and God blesses the giver of the gift. I'm going to bring up verse 17 again where Paul states, Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. And the word desire, Paul says the word desire, it actually means that I have my heart set on. Paul doesn't have his heart set on receiving the gift. He has his heart set on what God might credit to the giver's account. And this is literally translated as how their fruit or produce will be increased. Paul's heart Paul's heart is set on seeing the fruit, the blessings being increased on account of the church's sharing. Now, this is not assuming by any means that if you financially give generously, that your bank account will increase by equally or doubly generously. When you share generously, God will generously bless you in ways that we couldn't even expect or anticipate. The fruit of the one sharing will increase. In a letter to the Corinthian church, Paul uses the analogy of farming when he says in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will reap generously. Sow a lot of seeds and much fruit will be produced. So Paul is excited here to see how God will bless the Philippians on account of their giving. How God will increase their fruits, and then others will see it, and they're going to praise God even more. Now, it doesn't mean that these dividends or blessings will be financial. Perhaps the dividends will come in the form of a, just a good conscience, assurance of salvation, enriched fellowship with with other believers, a broadened outlook in the needs and interests of the church universal, increased joy and love, relationships and partnerships with people. It will result in learning contentment and joy in Christ. When you share with the body of Christ and as the body of Christ, you as the giver will be blessed Acts 20, 35, Jesus himself says it is more blessed to give than to receive. The givers of the gift, the givers of the gift, are the primary beneficiaries of the blessings. Partner with God's kingdom work and let God bless you. And in response to that, learn contentment and joy. 
Again, please don't get this passage wrong. It's not suggesting that people, for people to give in order that you will receive, but it's impossible to give and to share and to partner from the heart and not be blessed by God. Giving what God desires allows God to bless his people. Sharing and giving our gifts is an obedient response. It's a response to God working in our lives. It's a response, again, of learning contentment and partnering together as a community of God's people. Earlier in Philippians 2, verse 5, we are encouraged to imitate Jesus. And we imitate Jesus through our giving, through our sharing, through our partnering. Familiar words from John 3, verse 16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave He gave his one and only son. And we should want to give because of God's example who gave to each of us. God gave his one and only son so that whoever believes may have eternal life. Jesus gave up his life so that we don't have to. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And we are forgiven through him and our faith in him. We will have salvation and we can already live with God's blessings today. So folks, are you learning contentment? Do you recognize God's sovereignty, God's faithfulness, and all that God has done for you through his Son and his Holy Spirit? God has given you salvation. He's freely given you this salvation And he has also given you many practical things. Education, employment, family, friends, finances, and and people. Just You can make your own lists, your own set of blessings. And maybe some are finding it difficult to see the blessings at times. But we have hope in Christ. And we partner and journey together in learning contentment. I think COVID-19 has brought about increased partnerships. I think we've, many of us have realized that we cannot do things on our own. We've seen that in various offerings given to the church. We've seen that in partnering together in, in worship services a, again this morning and, and for the last three months. We've seen that in diaconal work and pastoral work. We've seen people assist with grocery shopping and meals and sharing agricultural products, reaching out and connecting in further and different ways. Much is being done by the church towards the church and many other community and worldwide ministries and organization. And I hope you can all see that. And when you give and share because you are feeling gratitude for all that God has graced and blessed you with, That is the giver learning contentment. People of God, we are part of a community that shares and partners with one another in the church in many different ways. We are part of a community that shares and partners beyond the church in many different ways. And may you be on a journey of learning contentment and joy and seeing God continue to bless His people And continuing to bless you. Continuing to bless his church. To God be the glory. Amen. Let us pray together.
God, you share with us so much. You share gifts of finances, possessions, and you've given us the greatest gift through your son, Jesus Christ. And you desire for us to bless others with sharing and partnering in the name of Jesus. Lord, work in us to learn contentment and sharing with others just because that's what you ask of us. It's our obedience. It's our responsive obedience to you. Father, we come before you on this day in thankfulness and we praise you for your son for calling us over and over again to follow you. We praise you for, for our continued freedom in this country as we celebrate Canada Day this week as well. And we recognize that today not all people can worship as freely as we do. And we pray for refugees, for tortured prisoners, for the innocent victims of war. We pray for the homeless and the poor and those victimized and diminished by racism and discrimination and oppression of all kinds. We pray for those who are coming to grips with natural disasters, devastation, and death. We lift up those in the world who live daily with depression or other forms of mental illness or by chronic pain that will not subside or through unemployment due to the economic struggles. Work in us, Holy Spirit, to help with the physical needs and to share the resources that we have. And may we serve you by serving others and sharing and partnering with others and see your continued blessings all around. Lord, we come before you with the needs that are real and present in our congregation as well. And we lift up the widow and the widower. We lift up all those who have lost loved ones, whether recently or years gone by. We pray for those among us who are ill or who are worried about a loved one who is very ill. We pray for Martha and Marilyn, for Eric and Troy and Stefan. Provide strength and continued healing to your people. And we lift up all the elderly. We pray for all the youth and unborn children and children, teenagers, for young adults and adults, and may your presence be made known to all your people. We pray for our loved ones who've turned away from you and from your church, and may they begin to understand your amazing grace and forgiveness and how you call them to begin a, a new life in Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for gracing us with musicians and worship leaders, storytellers, people who serve, many who volunteer, and so many who spend their talents thoughtfully and well in this place so that all of us grow closer to you. Bless us as we approach the week of regathering and worship as smaller groups here and as we also continue to worship online. Give each of us patience and grace to recognize that we come together differently, but we come together in unity and as your body wherever we are. May we continue to become a reflection of your glory in ourselves and towards others in this church and in our communities. Above all, we thank you for the presence of the Spirit of the living Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that we have sensed your nearness and your presence during this service, and may we do so throughout this day and throughout this week and throughout our lives. Work in us to take what we experience and learn here to allow it to work in us lives of obedience and faith, contentment in Christ. And we pray this only in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen.